what I'm about to say. Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. Here on All Things Macabre, we discuss all the things under the topic of odd, weird, true crime, supernatural, and fiction. This podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you find a topic we are discussing interesting, we encourage you to do some research on your own. You never know what you may learn. We are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. And hoping that you'll enjoy and laugh along with us. Through some stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, what the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Okay, whenever we get a studio and we have our own little setup, we're getting a rolly chair for me. Okay. Just like this. I might actually take this one. It's actually leaning on it like this is comfy. <laughs> hey, Macabre Mob. Hi, guys. It's Shelby. It's Courtney. And today we got you a story that's kind of a follow-up on a story time I did. The uh, story of Bluebeard. And I will say when we get into Bluebeard, or not really Bluebeard, but the story that you're about to do today. I got some questions and I need answers. (laughs) Alright. If you have not listened to the story of Bluebeard, it's a really good preface to this. I actually made Courtney listen to it before the recording today. However, she does not know about my notes, so this is going to be interesting. But uh, what's your questions? First of all, why were they scared of him because he had a blue beard? Like, I uh, don't understand. It was weird. Yeah, he had a blue beard. He, he was, so just because he was different? Yeah, he was different. He uh, He was very wealthy. All his previous wives had disappeared. No yeah. one knew what happened to him. So, uh, another thing in the story, I read it word for word by Char- Charles Perrault, which was published in 1697. So, it was 1697. in the 1600s, yeah. And, uh... Okay, so now that you put it that way, 1697, I guess somebody with a blue beard is actually... It, well, yeah, it's it not like weird. today. I mean, today yeah. it'd be like, oh, man, I like that blue beard. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a dude I work with that he colors his beard. I don't know his name. He's up top. I, I don't have any idea anything about him. But I love his beard because he always has a, a different color. I think that's why, like, modern day brain me was like, what's the issue? But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, in, no, so. this is this is way back. And then as the story went on and, you know, you were talking about, you know, his wives were disappearing and then what his current wife had discovered and the shit she went through, I was just like, I was giving me anxiety. I didn't even go lie. You know, when she kept asking, um, I forgot the lady's name, you know, to see if her brothers were coming. Oh, Sister Anne. Sister Anne, yeah. yes. I wanted to call her Mary for a minute. Oh, no, it's Sister Anne. <laughs> but yeah, whenever that was happening, I was just like, what was going to happen? I'm yeah. <laughs> you know, she was just like, I don't see nothing yet. I don't see nothing yet. And then until she saw the, was it goats or something? <laughs> was it sheep? Sheep. It was, yeah, until she sheep. saw the sheep. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I was getting a that little anxiety. I actually had to cut it at that part because I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I just stopped. I looked over at Tina and I was like, seriously, some fucking cheap. Like, it was very anticlimactic. <laughs> it, it really, it really was. But, but, but I, it was a good story and it is darker in some stories I've heard. There's been several twists on it that other people have put onto it. The Charles Perrault, I've actually heard that the women that were hanging were actually hanging by meat hooks. Oh. I don't think it's said by meat hooks in the story, which was translated from French. And at one point, whenever he said that you have half of a quarter of an hour and not a minute more, I was like, what the fuck is seven half minutes going to do? I was thinking the same thing. I was weird. (laughs) But I think it was actually a quarter of an hour. It just got mistranslated. Oh, okay. That That was something that I was like, what the fuck? But uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. So like I said, I couldn't find the grim version, unfortunately, but it's very close to the one I read. They do say that it is actually possibly based on a real guy. I was going to ask that. Yes. I was so. curious, which that was going to be one of my, you know, my questions was, you know, like the original story, get inspiration from a real person, possibly, you know, and then to keep it confidential, they just kind of like, or or not really even confidential, but probably like telephone or, you know, even like you said, with it just changed being translated from different languages, like different things were added to it to where it comes to what, what it said. is now. And so I was curious if it was inspired by somebody because, I mean, they had to come up with the idea from somewhere. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think they did kind of take this story that... Of this guy that I'm going to tell you about. And they kind of changed it up a little bit to fit the moral they were trying to portray with the story. Which, again, the moral is supposedly obey what you're told and don't question things. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> you know, that that's not the only story like that. I mean, there's the story of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is possible that at that time, I mean, women were nothing about like now in America, but, uh, you know, m- women were nothing. So I, I could kind of see that being a thing, like listen to your husband no matter what. Yeah. Again, I have, I have, I know some problems with that. <laughs> I totally get it. That's brought me some trouble in my life, but, it's but okay. you got to remember this is in the 1600s, late 1600s. Yes. And this story actually takes place in the 1400s. Okay. So do you have any more questions before we jump into it? I'm good. All right. Well, this is Gilles de Ray. Gilles de Ray. Yes, he is French. He may or may not be the real Bluebeard. So I'm interested. I'm curious. He was born around 1404 to 1405 in Western France. It's unknown when... But possibly September, October of 1404 in the family castle. You know how stuff was back then. They didn't keep documents like they do today. It's just a rough ballpark estimate. Yeah, yeah. So in 1415, he was about 10, 11 years old. He was out hunting with his father. And they were hunting boar, you know, at the time. They're in France. Like one does. Yeah. And uh, a boar actually charged his father from behind. Gilles sat there just frozen in terror and just watched his father get torn apart. Oh, just shit. completely torn apart by this wild boar. Well, well, oh, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here we are, this poor kid's already 10, 11 years old. And just watched his father just get sliced his father, in yeah. by 
a boar. A wild boar. And I would say that's probably a very gruesome death. Oh, yeah. So I couldn't imagine him watching that's all traumatic. of this. And, of course, his mother mysteriously died just six months later. Of God knows what. Yeah. Well, most speculated it was due to a broken heart, which we've, I think, touched on that before. But, uh, yeah, it's a big possibility. But, of course, now he's got no one. So now he's an orphan. Yeah. Yeah. So he and his younger brother, who was only about a year old at the time, wow. lived with the maternal grandfather, Jean de Crayon. 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 Yeah, I it's there's no Y in it, but I'm gonna say it like there is, like crayon. <laughs> uh, he was actually not a very good dude. Uh, he was known to be a schemer, and he was violent and cold and cruel. He was an impulsive man. Like he was just he was off to just make everyone's lives miserable. Basically, he cared about nothing but himself. A little narcissistic. Uh, yeah, and uh, he actually taught. Jill and his brother, I believe his name was Jack, don't quote me on that, but... Uh, Again, difficulty yeah. with finding accurate documentation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he actually taught both of the kids that using impunity, not being able to be charged with things, uh, noble people could do anything that they wanted, including using people to their advantage. So he's... Not really teaching them a very good way of life. That's what I'm sitting here thinking. That's that's really great to teach the kids. Yeah. Let's teach you how to manipulate and get your, you know. I mean, you've worked with some 10, 11 years old old people. Like, <sighs> they, they take that stuff in. Yeah. yeah. They really do. They really do. They, As, they absorb it like little sponges. And especially if they remotely look up to you, they're really going to absorb what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So it it's pretty fucked up. So, in the public eye, Gilles continued to act like he was a sad boy that lost his parents. You know, he kept playing on that. But behind closed doors, he was just as egotistical as Crayon was. Jean, kind of, sorry to interrupt no, you, but I'm thinking it's more like a learned behavior in a way. It kind of is. He's being, he is being a model of behavior in front of him and he's being taught how to do it. So naturally he's going to adapt to that and just do, you know, naturally do it without thinking about yeah. it. I mean, his, when his parents died, he was actually really advanced in like languages and arts and he was really into that stuff. That, that's really all he did was learn and practice arts. But once he was under Jean Crayon, Jean didn't care about that shit. So it just kind of went away and he lost all of what he was himself. All of the and just, good about him. Yeah. That he was necessarily And just taught. followed this asshole. Just, he put all the energy into something else. Yeah, and uh, Jean Crayon, he would actually help feed that. He would actually, of course. of course, he had servants create a court and Jill uh, would be the king of that court that he would create, you know, like playtime or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, when his grandfather would leave, Jill would beat and taunt his subjects. So he's obviously already learning this horrible shit and he's playing it up in the streets like he's this poor kid. Like, it's not looking good. That's really scary. <laughs> it is. So, Crayon attempted to arrange a marriage of Jill at just 12 years old to a four-year-old. Yeah. To a four-year-old? To a four-year-old. Yeah. She was the one of the richest heiress in uh, Normandy. I don't... I don't know what to say. The parents 
were pretty much the same way. They were super fucking offended. Uh, in fact, I think they actually told their guards that if he were to come back on their property to stab him through the heart with a sword. I mean, it's a four-year-old girl. How are you going to marry someone off at four years old? You barely walking and talking. I was, that's what I was like. You can't. You Not even Game of Thrones married them off till they were at least nine. <laughs> <laughs> Four. Four. Oh, my God. But it was because she was one of the richest. She was rich. Yeah. So, what an ass. Yeah. When his plan failed, he attempted again, without success, to marry him to the niece of the Duke of Brittany. And Crayon did get him married to Catherine de Thors of Brittany on November 30th, 1420, which she was the heiress of La Vendée and Poitou. Well, I say that they got married. Actually, she was kidnapped. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there, there's really not a whole lot of happy in this story. That's... <laughs> um, Jesus. Yeah, while she was out riding her horse one day, Jean Crayon kid and like a little gang of his thugs like kidnapped her. Gang of his thugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. This poor little girl's just out, just doing whatever horse. you do, and it's just what. Yeah, uh, and her dad actually just recently died, or had just died after it happened, or something. So she was actually an easy target because there was no man in her life to protect her. Yeah, so uh, Jean took her and Gilles to a monastery where they were both forced to be married. You heard that, right? They were both, both forced. forced to be married. Yes. Yeah. Her family, obviously, didn't pr- approve of the marriage whatsoever. In fact, it was later found out that they were fourth cousins. And c- contrary to popular belief, still back in the 1400s, incest was not okay. I didn't know that, but... No matter what Game of Thrones... Makes yeah, no think. matter... Well, no, if you actually think about it in Game of Thrones, even they thought that they were nasty. Mm, true. Yeah. So... Yeah. No, incest was not okay. So, uh, yeah, it, I don't think there was anything ever really done about that, though. Did you get divorced back then? I don't know if you got divorced or you just killed them. <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut. I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> I think you it. could... I think you could separate, but I'm not really sure of how all that was. Because, I mean, the church gets involved in all this yeah, stuff. And yeah, yeah. When the family was kind of going off about Jean taking her, mm-hmm. he fought back telling the family that, well, you don't be like that. I'll just get rid of her by putting her in her sack and throwing her off in the water. What? Yeah, like, what the fuck, dude? He just don't give a fuck. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. I kidnap her. I make her, I force her to marry her fourth cousin, and then her parents get pissed, and I'm like, well, I don't give a shit what you think, because I'm just gonna throw her in a bag and toss her into the river. Yeah, like, she's just trash. Like, oh, this is such a big deal for you. This ain't shit for me, so... It's fucked up. And uh, neither Catherine nor Jill were happy with the marriage. It was actually, I don't know, I couldn't find a whole lot on it, but it was thought that he might actually be gay. I was just about to say that. Yeah. I was literally going to say yeah. that. He had very little interest in her. Okay. Very little. Well, I mean, he's also a kid, too, so... I mean, he is. He's only, like, fucking 12. I mean, about that time, you're still kind of like, girls have cooties yeah. type thing. Yeah, know? I mean, Jaden's not even 14. He's just now talking to girls, and he's still embarrassed <laughs> as fuck to talk about it, you know? <laughs> uh, but uh, they did have a kid. They had a daughter about nine years later. I kind of feel like that might have been a forced I thing. was just about to say that. There's nothing that really said 
But, uh, yeah. My gut is going with it was forced. Yeah. And they were probably threatened. There's no telling what they were told. I'm sure they were, especially with Jean Crayon. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how you carry on the... um, The family name. The family name, you know, so you have to... Was it a boy or a girl? It was a girl. Girl. Yeah, but they didn't try for a boy, so I I don't know. I mean, he wasn't a king or anything. Okay. He did grow up in a castle, but he wasn't like a king or anything. Okay, so it was just still needing... They had to have some type of offspring. Yeah. To carry on something. I I guess to kind of legitimate their marriage. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, Gilles had already inherited extensive lands from both his father and his grandfather... But when he married Catherine, he married a rich heiress and kept a more lavish court than a king showing off his wealth. So. Okay. He, I mean, he had decorations everywhere. He had a large amount of servants and heralds and priests. I mean, I'm not talking about just like these giant mirrors like it's talking about like in the story or anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's talking about these giant mirrors that are golden, basically, from, you can see from head to toe. Yeah, he had stuff like that, so maybe that's where they kind of got this from, but... He comes off to me, though, that he's not really, like, all about a lavish lifestyle. It's the, um... Being in control. Yes. Yeah, because he's got priests and servants and heralds, so that, that part was a little... Mm. It's more or less like, I'm not going to show off my wealth by having all these flashy materialistic things. I'm going to show my wealth by how many physical bodies I can own and boss around. Yeah, but you got to <laughs> think, too, he's still young at this point. True. So, I mean, I guess you would kind of have to have someone help take care of you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And if that's how you grow up, I mean, you got to think about that, too. He and didn't grow also- up with the best role model. That's, that's, that's also very true. He was known as a distinguished military man fighting first in the wars of succession to the Duchy of Brittany in 1420, where he received land grants that he later converted to a lump sum of money for his service. Oh, okay. And then he fought for the Duchess of Anjou against the English in 1427. Now, this is the part that kind of surprised me. He was even assigned to the Joan of Arc's guard and fought several battles at her side, including the Relief of Orleans in 1429. And he remained a special guard of hers until she was captured in the attack on Paris. I've heard of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who she was. I knew she was like some patron saint or mm-hmm. something. I, I didn't really know. So I had to dig in a little bit. That's exactly what she is. She is a patron saint of France who is honored as a defender of the French nation. Defender of the French nation. Yeah. She was actually a military leader who was known for transcending the gender role and gaining recognition as the savior of France. Huh. Something that I don't have in my notes that I just remember is uh, at the age of 17, I believe, she marched into the king's court and demanded have control of the army because she could do something. And after failed attempt after failed attempt, he finally said, fuck it, all right, go for it. And she saved France. Wow. Yeah. This this little young bitch that she's just a woman, don't know anything. That's what I want to know. Because... You would think that we would hear a lot more well, about her, but you know, I'm not gonna get down. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. Well, this might help you. <laughs> she was actually put on trial for heresy and blasphemy for wearing men's clothing and other things such as witchcraft. 
Because she was oh. able to talk to God. Okay. And that's one of the things she said at that young age was that God had told her how to do this. Okay. So, because she talks to God, you know, if, if you're a man that talks to God, you're a prophet. If you're a woman that talks to God, you're a fucking witch. Yeah. So. Okay. There's that. And, uh, they even had her sign a document after her sentencing, after she had gotten captured and all that, mm-hmm. that she would agree to not bear arms or wear men's clothing. Yeah. But she... But she saved France. Now, this is the English, I believe, doing this to her. Oh, okay. Because this, I think, is fucked up, too. Uh, I think I've got it just a little bit later in here. She was a very big supporter of King Charles VII becoming the king. Okay. There there was an ongoing fight about who should succeed in the king line, and she was a big supporter of that, and so was Gilles de Ray. So they went together to help the consecration of it. After he became king and she got taken in Paris, they just turned their back. The only person that tried to help her was Gilles de Ray. Really? Yes. So, the king, even though she helped him get that position... Didn't give two fucks. Didn't give two fucks. Said that he was actually intimidated by her. Uh, that, that, yeah. That, that's all you got to say. Yeah. Ultimately, she was executed about the age of 19 or so. Wow. So, not very long. She did all this and she was only 19? Yes. And, uh, of course, she was tied to a tall pillar and burned alive. Wow. That... Yes. Wow. After all all of that. Yes. All of that. And yes. And the king couldn't just say, yeah, give us her back and we'll give you something else. Like, you couldn't work with him to try to save her? No, of course not, because he was intimidated. I think we might have to do an episode on her one day. I was going to ask that. I was. Because I was there's a lot that. of research I wanted to get into, but it was going to make this episode way too long. So I'd really like to get into that. Interesting. So, I'll just skip a little bit around here on my notes, because I kind of already told you some of it from memory, but they they went together to go help him become king, to mm-hmm. secure his, not really secure his position in line, but but just to, to make the current succession go correctly. Okay. Basically. So, after all that happened, and he ended up becoming king... Uh, Gilles actually became the marshal of the French army after all that they had done to beat back the English during those wars. Do you happen to know how old he is at this time? Because if she was like 19, how I want to say be? at this time he is about 20. Okay. I, I want to say I remember somewhere in here he's about 20, 21. 20, 21. He's okay. not older than 23. I know that. Okay. So yeah. he's around the same age as Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Contrary to popular belief, they are one of those couples that you see go through thick and thin and become best of friends, even though their genders are opposite. They go to show that you can be best friends and nothing more. Uh, That's a really, really controversial thing nowadays. It is. (laughs) It is possible. It can happen. It's rare. I won't lie. It is rare, but it is possible. It can happen. He was also the commander in the Royal Army and was considered a brave heart of the war front during the Hundred Years' War. So he was not, he was actually born in the Hundred Years' War and continued fighting it through the end of the war. That's deep in a way. It is. It's it's kind of like a, kind of full circle in a way. It kind of is. Very interesting. 
before Joan of Arc was captured, his grandfather died. You know, the one that raised him, the mm-hmm. asshole, mm-hmm. The crayon. Yeah, he died, and it made him really bitter, yet it made him even more wealthy. Then, whenever Joan of Arc was captured, he was really the only one that was supporting trying to save her and rescue her from that. And he had actually tried to lead several rescue attempts, but they all failed because no one would have his back. Of course. So that's whenever he felt like, you know, you're just stabbing us both in the back, and then she ended up dying. He lost the shit. I mean, I would too. I really would. Because if there was this one person that I knew didn't need to be in this certain situation, and if I tried and tried and tried to get them out of that situation and kept failing, and then they ended up Especially dying. whenever you've got someone that has power yes. telling you, no, I'm not worried about it. Yes. And then they end up dying, and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, that's I your just, best friend. That's your war buddy. I did all this for nothing? Yeah. Like, I mean... Just to be stabbed in the back? Just to be stabbed in the back. And, uh, I mean, it just goes to show that nothing has really changed over no, the years. No, it really hasn't. So, again, after Jean died, he quit the army. Well, it's been said that King Charles VII honorably discharged him for changing his behavior. Which, again, he had two very traumatic deaths back to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, during battles, you know, he was known as this brave warrior. Mm-hmm. Like, he was always on the front of the line, ready to go. He actually got to where he would send his brothers out in place of him on the battlefield. I mean, I don't blame him. His younger brother, yeah. He's like 10 years younger than him. But yeah, oh, that, I, that was the one that was one whenever yeah, their parents yeah. died. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I don't blame him either. I mean, the army just failed you. Yeah. So I get it. It's kind of hard to advocate for them and try to still be active and supportive whenever the second that you needed them, they wasn't there. But they still expect you to be there for them to do their dirty work. And they didn't give two fucks about your situation and what you were going through. Yeah. So, you know, he was sending his brother out in his place on the battlefield. It was obvious his heart just wasn't in it anymore. And he said, all right, I'm going to honorably discharge you. It said that he begged and pleaded with the king to let him back into the military because it's all he had ever known, all he had ever been trained to do, and that he was still young and had a lot of fight left in him, but he was still turned away. Now, this just, for some reason, doesn't fit with me. Why are you going to beg and plead if you don't have your heart in it anymore? I mean, the only thing I can think of is kind of like the fear of Not knowing how to be a civilian, if that makes sense. Maybe. I mean, I know a lot of people get out of the military and they lose it not knowing how to live a civilian life. Because, I mean, that's all he needs to know. That's that's what my brain goes to. And, I mean, he'd been doing this since, like, 12 years old. I mean, he may be burnt out, but, I mean, I I can even say that. Like, for me, there's been times I've been burnt out at my job, but then I'm sitting here thinking, well, how can I just stay here but to have a different position to kind of somewhat switch it up? Because I don't know what my life is like without it. Yeah. Because I've been working there for so long. Which, I mean, that's I know that's completely different from being a war veteran and going to war. Well, yeah, but, but you know. I mean, like, problems are problems. <clears throat> and he was probably depressed. Oh, well, there's no probably to it. He oh, was yeah, depressed. Absolutely. And so, I mean, mixing it up and going through the unknown, that's probably why he was trying to say, can I stay? Because he didn't know what life without the military was like. Yeah, it's scary. You don't know. It's the unknown. 
So it was actually said at this time, and this is a fact, he did leave his wife and daughter. Or they left him. Okay. One way or another, they split. But uh, it was said that he left them and started living lavishly with jade floors and expensive one-of-a-kind paintings. Jade floors. Jade floors, I know. It's fancy. (laughs) (laughs) And supposedly, with a disorderly life filled with obsessions on sex and witchcraft. Now, this is another one that kind of threw me. He didn't even want to have sex with his wife. Yeah. And I've read other reports where after the military and leaving his wife, he said that he would never have sex with a woman again. Does so clarify on who he had sex with? No. So I think this is someone just throwing some different information they heard out there. I'd, like a rumor? Yeah. But I'll get to that at the end. I mean... I want to point these things out on purpose. I will say grieving makes you do some crazy shit. It does. It does. But there's a reason I'm pointing these out to you. Okay. I may, you know, take back what I said. (laughs) Now, this one is something that's more factual. He would pay people to reenact plays of his battles for his own entertainment. And it would call for over, like, 500 actors. He would advertise... Yeah, he would advertise free, unlimited buffets... And that would be just to get more people to come see these plays of his great events in battle. So he's just reliving all the... Yeah, yeah. But hear me out. He's doing this with this little town here. He's hiring actors. He's got to have costumes. So he's hiring tailors. Mm-hmm. He's hiring caterers. Mm-hmm. He's hiring all these people. He's providing jobs. Yeah. So the people love him. And not only that, when he's having these plays, they're free. And everyone who comes gets a free meal. So he's providing food for them, too. So this guy's a fucking hero to them. Keep that in mind, too. Okay. But, you know, whenever you see it that way, you don't think about the other side. His family became worried about his frivolous spending. Because he actually had to sell a portion of his property and... They decided to get a decree from the king in 1435 that would restrain him from being able to sell or mortgage the rest of his lands. That's where my brain was going whenever you were talking about, you know, yeah, like he was doing all these lavish things and hiring all these people and doing the reenactments. I was sitting thinking, where's all this money coming from? Because, I mean, I know you're rich, but eventually it runs out it runs out and yeah. so i'm thinking how does he keep us going so you were answering so this is me. exactly why they got a decree from the king to protect the family fortune okay so he wouldn't spend it all which the king agreed to and denounced jill so now he feels like now you've denounced me what the fuck like i was this hero and now you're denouncing me because he spent here, he just went on a spending spree. Yeah, and like I said, the people of the area felt like he was a hero and someone that would choose to share his wealth with the poor and help provide food and jobs and stuff. And the family and the king thought he was just burning through money. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in the family had worked hard and saved up and all this shit. And no wonder just, why they were pissed then. Yeah. So he actually even built his own church. Yeah. It was the Chapel of Holy Innocence. Chapel of Holy Innocence. 
And that's actually named after the Massacre of the Innocents in the Book of Matthew, where King Herod orders the slaughter of the children in the city. You know where this is going now. Mm-hmm. It orders the slaughter of the children in the city under the age of two to prevent the prophecy of him being overthrown. Mm-hmm. So this was actually a really big thing at that time. What and the... What a thing to name your church after. It, it is crazy, but that's why I wanted to go ahead and tell you this. Because in, in French, in the French area at that time, oftentimes there would be comparisons between that story and the Hundred Years' War. Because okay. it was the idea that entire generations of children would grow up without knowing what peace was. So it, it does make sense. It's it's a long shot, but it makes sense. I get it. But you gotta think this is in the 1400s, too. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> it is. It is. But remember, it's named after the story in the Bible of all the kids being killed. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. It was said that he constructed the church as a form of protest of warfare and a public declaration of his faith, which his family, of course, didn't like. In fact, when he was building the church, the Duke of Brittany went to the Vatican and told the Pope that Jill had an addiction to spending money and asked the Pope to personally deny the application to the chapel becoming part of the Catholic Church. I don't remember what the word is, but it's like the organization yeah. of the church. Sorry, I'm not Catholic. They got the Pope involved. Shit. Yeah, they got the Pope involved. And the Pope agreed. So, even the Pope is like, all right, yeah, I don't want him doing this. So, Gilles said, all right, well, I'm going to finish it anyway. (laughs) Okay. So, he finished it anyway, even though he wouldn't be allowed to have a real Catholic priest there. Since he couldn't have a real priest because the Pope said no, Uh he made his own vestments and shit, like the whole robe thing and everything, Mm -hmm. and he officiated Mass himself, and he handpicked the choir boy. Yeah. I don't know why that was such a big deal, but uh, it was in there, so I threw it in there. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, fuck y'all, I'm going to do yeah, what he's I he's like, I'm going to do a whole fucking church. I don't care what you say. Oh, my God. Yeah. And okay. you got to remember, again, this is 1400s, impersonating a priest was a big fucking deal. Yeah. It was a big deal. It was borderline blasphemous. I didn't even think about it being looked at as impersonating. Yeah. And you can be killed right. for blasphemy. Yeah. So. He's working on some thin ice. Yeah. It was another slap in the face to the king and the church saying that he had just as much power and no one could stop him. Ooh. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's exactly what he did. He's like, you say I can't have this? I'm going to do it any damn way. Fuck yeah. I got it. I'm going to keep, I'm going to hold mass myself since you won't help. Jeez. Did anybody come to that church? I imagine so. It said he handpicked a choir boy. Yeah, I guess somebody. Yeah, but you got to think, too. Look at all his little following of people. True, he did have a little cult following going on. Yeah, (laughs) basically. So, at this time, his family met with the king of France, and they begged for a royal decree to keep anyone in France from doing business or entering into any kind of contract with you, claiming they were terrified that he would spend every penny he had. As he would. Yeah, it seems like he would. But, of course, the king agreed and appointed the Duke of Brittany to take control over Gilles' estate and wealth. 
And it's just ironic that it happens to be the Duke of Brittany because I think about Brittany Spears having her shit taking control of. Yeah. The yeah, yeah it's, it's a little fucked up. And, of course, true to that story, the Duke kept Jill from being able to spend a single penny and informed him that he was in debt and broke and wouldn't be able to sell anything off and wouldn't be able to pay it off. I bet that was a huge wake-up call for him. Or, or I yeah. mean, I'm sure it pissed him off because, I mean, could you imagine just going from having all this lavish things and all this money to do whatever no. the hell you want to Nothing. having somebody telling you that you can't spend anything? Yeah, no. Oh, I bet he was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually maybe no better than being a peasant. Yeah. Yeah. Only peasants had family. He didn't even have that. Yeah, because he left his wife and kids. Yeah, so he he didn't have shit. Nothing. I would have lost my damn mind. I get it. Gilles actually later learned that one of his favorite castles that the Duke had sold was being guarded by a Catholic clergyman, and no one was living in it, and that, that just sent him into a fit of rage. He was like, at this point, this motherfucking castle is empty. It's one of my favorite castles. I ain't gonna stand for this shit anymore. He was done. Do you blame him? I mean, not really. <laughs> but then again, I'm also thinking, well, you kind of brought this on yourself. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he didn't have the support that I feel like he needed during some really hard times. True. I mean... So I can see how the system failed him and turned him into this. That's also very true. I mean, yeah, I also had to look at all the shit that he experienced prior to all this. So, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because he didn't really have all the support that he needed. And if he would have been, like, from the get-go when his parents passed away, and if he would have went with a, how do I phrase this, a more capable adult than what he was More rational. Yes. Yeah. Then he wouldn't be in the position that he's in now. That's very possible. So, with all this, he decided to come up with a plan where he would sneak into the castle at night and kidnap the priest. Of course. Yeah, great idea, right? So, of course... Of all people, the priest? Of, yeah, the priest. The fucking priest. So, of course, the priest tried to fight back, causing Gilles to beat him until he agreed to go with him and give him the keys to the castle. So now, he didn't just kidnap a priest. He beat a fucking priest. Um, This is the 1400s. That is a big fucking no-no. That is a heinous crime. I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's what the noble families thought. It shocked them. They were like, what the fuck? <laughs> of all things. You just kidnapped and beat a fucking priest? Oh. Like, what the fuck have you done? What What are you doing? So, obviously, it shocked the noble families, and it showed the others that he wouldn't go down without a fight. And he was so famous and powerful that he could do virtually anything and get away with it. So my question is, why didn't they just kind of like strip him of his notoriety and his fame and fortune and shit? They basically did, but... He continued to do his bullshit anyway because of his little cult following? Well, yeah. The, The community around him saw him as nothing less than a hero. So... One hell of a hero to sit here and kidnap and beat the shit out of a priest. Oh, yeah, well, they thought a castle. He, but they thought he was done wrong. You got to think, they're seeing it from his point of view only. Because he's groomed Because them. he's a hero and to them, yeah. 
The, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm following that. And the noble families noticed this, and they were like, fuck, man, like, this could be a problem. He could raise his own army and try to overthrow us. Like, mm-hmm. th- this really could be a problem. And it was also said that at this time is when he turned to alchemy and magic to restore his lost wealth. Uh, so see, why the hell when he hung and burned to death? Well... It was seeing he was he saw no other options and uh, he actually sought out a former priest who was a master of alchemy and the dark arts. Okay. Yeah. So they practiced for months and nothing was working. Nothing. He started begging the former priest for help and he actually told Jill how to summon a demon that would grant him anything he desired. But the only way to summon the demon was to sacrifice the lives of innocent children. Oh boy, here we okay. go. So this is where it really takes a turn for me. Like, this dude was a hero, then he lost his mind, and now he's with some former priest talking about summoning a demon and killing kids? Jill Duray. I don't know what to say. And again, I'm only laughing this is nervous laughter because I don't know how to react to this. <laughs> Uh, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet these people were uncomfortable too. Oh my god, so now I see why you brought up the church thing. Yes. Because, of course, you have to sacrifice children to... Innocent, yeah. Oh my so god. you had the Church of Holy Innocence, yeah. Um. Oh my god. They He he and that priest, the former priest, he's not a priest anymore, the, the master of the dark arts and shit... Uh, they wandered into the countryside of Orleans, and during the night, they searched for children. Uh, the priest would try to find one, or former priest would try to find one, and then Jill just, like, got in the window and took him. Yeah. So he abducted the first boy, young boy, tying him up and taking him back to his castle. Oh, yeah. He threw him to the floor and stabbed him through the heart with the same blade that he used during the time in the military to help the French fight back the English. So, he's using this blade that used to be used for these great heroic deeds to kill a kid. To kill this innocent child. So, obviously, the ritual was performed, and guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. No demon. Nothing. He didn't lose his body or lose an arm or a leg and had no, to replace with metal. It was no full metal. <laughs> There's no Alphonse or Edward. Unfortunately, no. I, I had I had to put something yeah. in there because that was a lot. <laughs> I, it, this whole thing is a lot. <laughs> oh boy, Jesus Christ! I was not ready for this. Yeah, I told you. It was good. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yes. Alright, so, since nothing happened, did he give up? No. No. No, he decided to try again. So he traveled around France to find the most beautiful children he could find. Usually small boys. Gacy vibes? Yeah. I mean, they were a little younger than Gacy vibes, but still Gacy vibes? (sighs) One of his favorite methods to obtain children was to actually go to peasant family doors and tell them that he was impressed with their son and would like to take him back to his castle to be his personal squire and eventually a knight. And back then, though, that was like a big deal. It was a big deal. Something in that day would have been a huge fucking honor. Right. So, again, kind of Gacy vibes. I'd give you a job, you know, give you a better way of life. Um, yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I'm, no, I wouldn't say a Gacy fan. I'm intrigued by 
his fucked up in this. Fuck it, man. Disrespectfully. <laughs> yeah, no, all of them, definitely. But I am intrigued with him, and I don't think he was working alone, but we'll get into that later on. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's that's a whole fucking rabbit hole for me, man. We're going to have to do, like, famous people we have rabbit holes on. <laughs> so, back to Gilles de Ray. After the first three times that he failed to summon the demon, he gave up on money and summoning a demon. That was quick, right? I feel like there's more to come. Well, yeah, because it came fun to him and started to torture the boys. Oh, my God. So he gave up on the demon and money and said, you know what? I like killing these little boys better. Uh, It was said that he would hang the children up on meat hooks. Remember the meat hooks from the... the heck? (laughs) I know, that spinal tap hurts, don't it? Or I guess not the spinal catheter. This is more serious. But he would hang them up on meat hooks and display them to his guests, which were usually, I believe, more boys. Asking them which they thought was the most beautiful. What? Yeah, and sometimes he would remove them from the hooks and hold them and pat their heads and comfort them and all that shit. Just to put them right back on the fucking hook. Like, that was straight torture. What the fuck? So, this led back to where I guess they got part of the story where the women were hanged up Uh in that closet. Uh Uh-huh. I think this is another part of it here. Oh, my God. The ones that he wouldn't remove from the hooks and do that bullshit to, he would just decapitate them, put their heads up on a pike. After the guest left, he was accused of raping them either before stabbing them or after because they would put up less of a fight if they were dead. So not only are we kidnapping them and torturing torturing them, them, we're also sexually assaulting them and raping them. Yes. And sodomizing them. and Maybe before or after death. Or both. I was going to say, with a little touch of necrophilia in there. Just a touch. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, my Um, God. It's actually said that one of his favorite ways to murder these children was to sit on the chest of the child and laugh at them as he stabbed them. What? Yeah. Or disemboweling them while still alive to oh admire the beauty of their organs. Oh my. Yeah. He was also known to like chop them up into little pieces. Yeah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. To admire the beauty of their organs. This man, this, this, this man. Um, so, disclaimer, whenever I thought you told me to listen to Bluebeard, I was like, okay, this is going to be some asshole who kills multiple women. All right. Oh, no, it took a left turn. I was not expecting this. It took a major left turn. That's why I didn't want you to know anything about this one. Oh, my God. It took a major (laughs) turn. In 1440, after he abducted and murdered a priest, so he took a step up now. Now he's murdering a priest. A bishop started an investigation, and he was like, where the fuck is this priest? This isn't right. So he started an investigation and found over 40 bodies buried in Gilles' backyard, and that resulted in two trials, one by the church and one by the king. I don't remember the names of them, but there was one by the church and one by the king. They were all in his backyard. Yeah. And this was a very common thing to have two children. Kind of makes me wonder, like, how big is your backyard for you to bury 40 bodies? I don't know. He's in a fucking castle. True. He's probably got a pretty big backyard. I keep, forgetting <laughs> I keep forgetting that part. So during the first trial, the most damning evidence was his own confession. Really? Yeah. He was found guilty and sentenced to death. Okay. That's it. 
So the second trial pretty much went the same way. Okay. You know, his own confession, sentenced to death. I feel like this is far from being over, but okay. It's it's close to over, but it's got another major... That's what I was expecting. (laughs) So, October 26, 1440, he and his servants, both he and his servants, were sentenced to death by hanging and being burned alive for the murder of about 140 children. 140 children? Yes. So that makes me think, did the servants help kidnap them or help them, like, torture them? Because, I mean, they were, if they got charged with it, like, what did they help do? But then again, I'd also think, you know, like, back then with, like, the Salem Witch Trials and everything, you just looked to somebody a certain way and you were, you know, hung. So, I mean, maybe they were guilty by association. I say all that because what if all that was a lie? What do you mean? What if whenever he lost... His grandfather and Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. What if he just got depressed and all the other shit's pretty much just a lie? That's hard for me to wrap my head around, but then again, I don't feel so bad now. If it was just a lie, that means that all those kids didn't die. Maybe. 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 That's what I'm going to tell myself. <laughs> so this this is what really threw me for a loop, because everything I researched was showing how bad this guy was. Mm-hmm. How awful he was. Well, here's something interesting. He and his servants did confess. Okay. Okay. But it was only after they were being threatened with torture and excommunication. Oh, so they were more or less kind of like forced to say something similar again to the witch trials of how they would torture them and force them to confess. Yeah. Holy shit. Just blew your mind, didn't it? Be careful. I don't want you to pop your skull back out. fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's another interesting thing. No bodies were ever found. I thought the court just took the bishop's word for it. They never went and searched. Okay. Yeah. And if you dig a little deeper, there were no kind of complaints or anything of kids missing around this time. In fact, the only accusers were the government and the church. The two people that he was giving the big, you know, middle finger to saying, yeah. fuck you. So maybe maybe he did take his castle back. And he pissed everybody off. And that's whenever they decided to shut him down. Oh, my. And got him fucking burned alive and hanged. I I don't know how you get burned alive and hanged at the same time. I feel like it would burn the rope. But anyways. (laughs) But yeah. So uh, another thing. You know, he was doing alchemy and dark arts and all this shit, right? Yeah. This was actually not revealed for a very long time um he was given a christian burial really what church is going to give you a christian burial if they think that you're in the dark arts yeah none zero yeah so bluebeard may just be people that have power just fucking people over america (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna comment on that um what? Yeah. So actually, this is something that'll make you feel a lot better. In 1992, a court of France reheld a trial officially exonerating him. Really? Yes. Yeah, so he is actually exonerated. And I did not know that until I really got into the research on this. Uh-huh. Uh, this, this is part of what Jamie was telling me to do. He was telling me not just to do Bluebeard, but to do Gilles de Ray. And I'm really glad he did because this is. Fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
Who knows if it's true or not? So that leads me to believe that 200 years later, when the story was really coming about and becoming kind of established in the print, maybe they just took it and switched it up a little bit as a tale, just warning people. It's very possible. Very, very possible. Sometimes maybe you just need to stay to yourself. I'm all for that, but I mean... So maybe we cracked some kind of huge conspiracy up in... I mean, obviously this was a conspiracy back then. Wow. But, yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a little bit of shock right now. <laughs> yeah. And Gilles de Ray has actually become really famous, not just as Bluebeard. I don't know if he's actually got a tie to Bluebeard. Like like I said, is it's fitting in some ways, but he might have been gay. And if he wasn't, he obviously didn't seem to have a thing for women. Right. So... I mean, he could just been asexual. They could have changed it to be from kids to women to try to get women to listen to their husbands or whatever. Well, thank you. Uh, who'd you say, Jamie? Yes, Jamie. Jamie, work. for that recommendation. I mean, okay. I, I, I mean, I think you and I had talked about eventually us like doing video recordings of this. But if you guys could have seen my face during this, <laughs> I, we've got to get a camera on us. <laughs> I. I, that was good though. That was really was. good. I thank you for that suggestion though, because I was not expecting any of that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's actually one of my little dark buddies at work. He's okay. a little metalhead too. Okay. Um one of the things that he found really interesting about this is Cradle of Filth did an entire album based on the life and crimes of Gilles de Ray. Really? Yes. Even more cool. Okay. Yeah, the album, if you want to listen to it, is Godspeed on the Devil's Thunder. Godspeed on the Devil's Thunder. Yeah, so if you want to listen to the life and crimes of Gilles de Ray, you can check out Cradle of Filth on that. Huh. I honestly, you know, I like metal and rock and stuff. Mm-hmm. I tried to listen to it. I had to look up the lyrics. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm the same way. It's like... the the. I, I respect I like it. it. I love the music, but I can't I understand can't. it. Yes. So yes. I did have to look up the lyrics. It is very interesting, though. It is. You should... You, it's got good music behind it. You should listen. Okay. At least give it a listen to. That's really cool. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of other stuff that's been done. I mean, he's still popular in cultural stuff. They, we found someone else that did it. Pet Shop Boys or something. They did a song on him. It, it's fucking weird. I couldn't listen to it. Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. If you like them, I'm sorry. I'm not... Trying to offend you, I just don't care for it personally. But that's okay, because everyone thinks my music sucks. So <laughs> We literally had that conversation right before we started recording. I've got an almost 14-year-old. I have that conversation every day. <laughs> I love how he says that I'm the cool one. <laughs> yeah, well, he don't know you well. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, kidding. obviously, I, I have to question him when I'm like, do you like this artist? No. Then why the hell are you listening to him? Well, he don't know what the fuck's going on. And he's in La La Land half the time. <laughs> but I guess that's about it for the day. Yeah, we that that was a that was a whirlwind. I mean, I was not expecting that roller coaster of emotions that you took me on. But I'm glad- I'm, I'm gonna hope with them exonerating them that it was all made up. It at least ended on a, a lighter note than I expected. Maybe. And Jamie, I don't know if you knew that end of the story or not. So let me know. I know you're going to listen to it. I think you should 
send some more suggestions because that was really good. <laughs> she liked that. that I know really you got some good. dark stuff. Yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, but like I said, I kind of like how you did that though, not telling me anything about it, and yeah. I went in this completely blind. Yeah, I'd be down to do some more. And of it. I was just like, you guys got full blind reactions out of me. That's for sure, because I was just. <laughs> Was not expecting uh, that. I've got a couple other stories that Tina and I have been watching that I think we might do. So, Jeez Louise. I got some more I might do like that. Okay. Yeah. But that's about all I've got for the day. I'm ready for you to get better to research, come up with some shit. <laughs> I have to. I have them. I just got to. You got to take your put time. Put the pen to paper. Yeah. You got to take your time. You got brain surgery. Come yeah. On. I have a boo-boo. Yeah, had a big boo boo. You got your <laughs> skull cut open. Oh, do you want to tell them since the, you know follow up for an update that you were able to touch? And oh yes, I did see her scar. I am very surprised that it's not that noticeable. Uh, even whenever she parted her hair to actually show me her scar, it's not that noticeable. But I touched the line going down her neck into her stomach. It's fucking weird. It's, it's like if, if your blood pressure's really high and your vein's sticking out on your neck, it kind of rolls like that in your finger. It feels a lot like that. It's weird as fuck. It, it, Knowing it. that it's a tube. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. But we're going to go ahead and hop off of here so she can go take her a nap. She's probably worn out after all this. It's a lot of, a lot of thinking. <laughs> I love how you said you were worried whenever I said I was in shock or uh, that you blew my mind to talk about my decision coming <laughs> well, I back Well, I don't want that motherfucker popping back out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week with maybe a story for me. I don't Hopefully, know. Hopefully. If not, it'll be something good either way. Yes. Regardless, it'll be fun and it'll be good because I'm back. And I'm Guess who's back. Get- exactly. Back again. <laughs> Courtney's back. Tell your friends. I was going to say, don't forget to tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we hope that you guys have a good rest of your week since we'll be coming in in the middle of the week. Yeah. And, well, how do I end this? I was going to say something and completely forgot what I was going to say. Well, that's probably because, you know, you're missing a little bit here and there in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I just got kicked by Tina. <laughs> she said, be nice. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. You got anything else? I don't oh, remember. Okay, what I guess I was we'll just close say. out then. Sorry, you're gonna have to excuse us. I'm gonna keep making fun of her. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Damn, terrible. All research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pilant, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us, and don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcast. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?